Welcome to the Love Fly Podcast. This is Paul Tizard, Fear of Flying Coach. And today's episode, episode 100, I cannot believe it, is uh, going to be a little bit more light-hearted. I am joined by a plethora of pilots and uh, whatever the collective name for pilots is, I don't know. But uh, welcome. going to be fairly light-hearted today is that all right folks Completely. yeah for those who don't have a sense of humor you're you know you're welcome to leave the call we'll make a start thanks ever so much for joining this is the hundredth episode which is upon us shortly which is means nearly two years of doing the podcast which I can't believe uh, and that's just doing my basic maths uh, I wanted to get a plethora of pilots together to get you to <laughs> Uh, Pete, <laughs> Pete Legs, one of the pilots, joined us today. He's in full combat gear, it's scaring the bejesus out of me. So I will put my helmet on. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, no way! We've got Ralph as well. So I know we'll, we'll do some intros in a sec. Um, there may be a couple of others come, but we'll just sort of integrate as we go along. I can't believe that Ralph said he was able to do it, and here he is, Ralph Miles. Welcome. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he lives in the middle of Somerset, which uh, for those who are familiar with it, is uh, and he doesn't really have Wi-Fi at all. That's a bit like up here, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Ralph will probably pitch in at some point. But what I thought would be quite nice to do is just do a quick whiz round, do the mini bio, who everyone is. Obviously, I know you all, but and then we'll get going. I've got a bunch of questions to ask you, and. Uh, there you go. I've got a bunch of questions to ask you that are fairly light-hearted, you know. But we can obviously go wherever you want to go. Right. So who would hey, like to go first? Well, let's go. Let's go to Ron first because Ron's at, at one in the morning for Ron. So we've got to keep him awake. <laughs> He's old. He may pass out before we get there. And <laughs> and I'm the only one with the accent, I guess. So. <laughs> so, so just a quick bio. Yeah, just a quick. Give us a sort of like a. The, the the elevator pitch, if you like. Okay, Ron Nielsen. I was uh, born at a very early age and have <laughs> grew up, wanted to be a pilot and uh, made that happen. Uh, was in, I spent 10 years in the military and then I left, uh, never intending to, to be an airline pilot, but it was uh, too good to pass up. So I got into the airline industry in 1978 uh, worked for my first airline for nine years. They went belly up, then went to the next one, was there for 20, 15 years or so. And then we we were the little mouse, but we swallowed a couple of big elephants. We ended up purchasing US Airways and then American Airlines. So that was my airline career. About halfway through my airline career, we started crew resource management over here, a human factors program, kind of like the psychology. We used to joke, teaching pilots how to play nice with each other. And uh, and I got involved in that. And simultaneously, literally the same year, 1987, I was invited by a friend of mine who ran the employee assistance program at the airline that I was at at the, the time. And uh, he would refer clients, employees to psychologists in the area. And one of them voiced a request 
for a pilot to help him start a fear of flying program. So that was when I started 35 years ago, 35 years ago this month, actually. Respect. And uh, yeah, right. right. And, and uh, uh, I, I knew nothing about it, still know very little, but, but what I've learned mostly, uh, I learned from, from the people that I've worked with over the years. And uh, I, I knew after the first night, I just did a two hour Q and A with, with some folks. I thought they'd be a little nervous, and I didn't realize the the, the scope and the mm -hmm. magnitude of their fear. And I was hooked. I just I loved it. And if you'd have told me I'd be doing that at 75 years old, 35 years ago, I'd have said you're out of your mind. But uh, it's the most fulfilling thing I've done, and 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 here I am. So uh, uh, glad to meet all of you. Thank you, Ron. That's great. You get to choose who goes next. Uh is it Emma? I lost the names off of the thing. I think Emma. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Hello. I was also born at a very young age. I like that. Oh, I'm sorry about the, the barking. That's all right. Um, it's real. Try to match it. So I, I, I grew up I'm always fascinated by things that flew, but I didn't really know. I, I didn't sort of spend all my childhood telling people I was going to be a pilot. I saw the space shuttle land at Stansted on the back of a 747 mm -hmm. in 1983 and I was 10 years old and I thought I'm going to be an astronaut that's great I love it and I didn't become an astronaut I went on I, I planned I did a history degree with an intention of becoming a, a corporate lawyer and while I was at university I joined the University Air Squadron which we have those of you who live here might, will probably know about it but you may not if you live overseas so um the Royal Air Force has university air squadrons around the country that you can join and can, hello. <laughs> and it's basically a way of getting people into the Air Force as pilots. And so I joined that for two years, joined in my second year. And the first day I was there, I met my husband who was going through NAV training. Obviously he wasn't my husband at the time. He was going through NAV training. And so I, although I had been flying for a couple of years, we then married straight after university and I moved up here to the Murray First in north of Scotland and had children, built a house which we still live in and it wasn't until 2003 when we moved to New Zealand on a military posting and that I started flying again and I came back as a fully qualified commercial pilot, instructed for three years and then I always wanted to fly for EasyJet once I knew I was going to fly and I just was in the right place at the right time to get a position with them in 2009 and yeah and that was the start of my airline career and I um throughout throughout that career I became a peer support mentor and I also was a fear of flying presenter on stage with the EasyJet fear of flying program which um again I really loved as well because you kind of when people get off we we would do like a two-hour presentation on stage so I'd do 40 minutes of that which was scripted and I had to learn the, the full script you know and it was really amazing because we do that and then the guys that ran it they he, Lawrence Layton and um, some of you might know he he's a hypnotist originally but he he ran this course for EasyJet and um, he'd do his bit and then we'd take them flying and they get off the flight they get onto the flight you know quaking with fear and in tears and they'd leave the flight and go oh my god you've changed my life and I'd be like no you have changed your life by doing this so um, and it was just it was so brilliant to um, see p the change in people when they had every noise explained to 
them and every movement explained to them. So I also really loved it and would have happily carried on doing it. But COVID really is what took my career away from me in a sense, because I live in the north of Scotland. I was working in Gatwick. There were no flights. I couldn't get to work anymore. Actually, even now, it would be really difficult to do that commute because flights get cancelled so frequently and or there aren't there aren't as many flights as there used to be because obviously people have reduced their capacity. So I took voluntary redundancy in 2020 and in the meantime, set up a charity, Project Wingman, which I still run and that uses and has used over the last couple of years grounded air crew and, and, and now just, just air crew who aren't grounded anymore to provide wellbeing support to frontline NHS staff across the country. So I still run that and I sort of do lots of other bits and pieces really, including supporting Paul with this, which I really love. So um, that's me. Oh, wow. <laughs> Amazing. Emma, where are we going to next? Welcome, Ralph. I see you, we're doing the intros. You probably worked out what's going on. Emma, yeah. where are we going to next? Let's go Peter. Aha. Okay, fair enough. As I said, Pete Lake, I joined the Air Force in 1971 as a technician apprentice. From that, got commissioned and 28 years in the Air Force flying Phantoms, Tomcats with the United States Navy, even before the film came out back in 1982. <laughs> then, God for one, kind of got tired of people shooting at me, didn't enjoy that. So I left the Air Force and joined Virgin Atlantic. 20 years with Virgin Atlantic, flying 747, 777 with BA, 787 Norwegian, just under training, and then back to Virgin for the rest of my career. 2020, hit the grand old age of 65, and they said, no, you can't fly commercial anymore, you're too old. And then back to my military career as the adjutant 606, finishing that at the end of August, and then I'm going to off to teach multi-crew cooperation and jet orientation for baby pilots coming through the system. Been doing uh, human factors for about 20 years. And really, when Ron introduced himself, I thought, hold on, I know that face. And I use no. one of his videos on a human factors course that I teach, that I'm teaching this afternoon. It's a real small world. So thanks, Ron. It's the one where you talk about the Steve Martin sticker, how to get a million dollars and pay no taxes. <laughs> uh, what, what is it? It's a, one of your videos, how to get a million dollars and pay no taxes, is one of the jokes <laughs> you're making there. <laughs> so, so I use that. So I was thinking last night, right, what about this course? What about Love Fly? Why does it work? And well, the don't start that, all that now. You, no, no, we're on the intros. It's not your bloody show, Pete. Come on. 30 seconds. Oh, go on, then. <laughs> we, we give you the technical skills. Paul gives you the psychological skills but it's the support all the people provide to each other. That's why it really works for my three of us. I shut up. That was a good one, yeah. Where are we going to next, Pete? You Aaron. get to choose, you've got the power. Aaron, my fighter pilot buddy, sat there with his helmet behind him. Uh, okay, Alon, <laughs> my name is Alon. Hello, I'm very happy to be here. Well, I start my, my story at the age of nine when my mother took me to the optometrist who checked my sight and said you are a little bit short-sighted it will not affect your life you are just not going to be a pilot that's all so that was uh, the starting of my flying career and i was very surprised to see that i was chosen to 
uh, to uh, attend the Israeli Air Force Flying School, from which I graduated in 81 as a fighter pilot. I had a um, career of flying uh, Skyhawks A4 and then F-16s. I flew uh, an active service and then uh, reserve until 2006. Uh, and I served in the Air Force until the end, the end of 2000 as a career officer, and then I retired. In 2004, I did what I was sure that I was never going to do, which was joining El Al as an airline pilot. Yeah. I thought it's, it was a very dumb, dull or, or boring job, <laughs> which was a very big surprise for me to find out that I really enjoyed it. And I, uh, I'm fly I flew uh, 737s and then 747-400. And now I'm a, a captain of 787, flying uh, mostly to the United States, some a little bit to, uh, to uh, London and, and Paris and the East. And I'm going to retire in about a year and two months and 12 days, but who's counting? Uh, that, 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 <laughs> that's... Uh, that's my flying career, and I didn't really understand uh, that there was a problem with fear of flying. I didn't understand what was the issue, but people came to me, like probably most of you, it happened, and they asked questions. And approximately 10 or 11 years ago, I, I started to realize it was a, a problem, and I helped people, but it was only in 2017 when I started my own program here in Israel, classroom-based program of people. I had a couple of hundreds of people going through this course with 88% of success. I just asked them, rate your success, and 88% of them reported success. But I was really not happy with the, the, the order of magnitude of the influence that I could make. And uh, in 2019, I started to uh, invest some in, in uh, money and time in creating a, a mobile application when very comfortably the Corona time came and gave me te uh, actually 12 months at home without work in which we, I, I created a company called SimpliFly and we uh, launched the application which is uh, called, called also a Simply Fly. It's now in Hebrew and English, and we plan to add many languages to it. In, in short, the, the, the application gives information in video, in audio, and chat with the pilot, in which you guys, every one of you, uh, are very invited to uh, take part as pilots, I, I mean. So this is filling my world, and the, the way to help people is something that I was not really prepared to, mm. how filling it is, how joyful it is, and, and how, how much satisfaction I can get out of it. So thank you. You get to choose who goes next, and stop uh, bloody uh, recruiting pilots. I have a quick question. <laughs> Elan, were you flying from Tel Aviv to LA on July 25th, by any chance. I was on your airplane, if you were. <laughs> July 25th. And he wanted an upgrade. Where were you? Yeah, yeah. In July, I, I was in LA. Uh, that's okay. sure. That's right. for sure. Right, that's enough of that, Alon. Come on, keep the intros. Who are we Adele. going to? We've got Adele or Ralph to choose? Where Adele, Adele. Adele, right. Okay. <laughs>
Thank you. Hi, everyone. Um, I just want to start by saying a huge thank you to Emma. The charity you set up has changed so many people's lives, um, particularly a lot of my friends. I mention Project Wingman to me all the time and how much it helped them. So I just wanted to yeah. really point out. Good show. Thank you. And thank you for that. All the same. You have put together here. Well done, you. So thanks, Paul, for, for, for doing this. I'm Adele. My background, I, I guess I am one of those people. I wanted to be a pilot from the age of 14. My brother did his PPL and he's a little bit older than me and he want, he um, would take me flying across the North Yorkshire Moors, which is where, where I'm originally from. And I think that's the glue that stuck aviation together for me. And then from there I went on, I did university, left university, went down to Australia, got my commercial license in Australia when I was 21, came back, converted that across to the UK license. And then I got a job with British Midlands. I was there for about uh, six years, flying pretty much everything they had, so Boeing's and Airbus, and a smaller aircraft called a Fokker as well. And then um, I joined, Ralph's laughing at me. <laughs> I threw my finger. <laughs> and then I joined uh, Virgin, and we've got some of my uh, ex-colleagues here on the call today. I was there for, I think it was around 16 years. A bit like Emma, the pandemic did in fact end my career there and I was made redundant. But during my time there, I just highlight a few things. And, and I think like some of us on the call today, um, I went into, to, into human factors quite early on in, in my career. It's really important to me that, you know, we get that right, the human in the system and how we influence safety in aviation by looking at, you know, the systems approach and the human factors approach. And I guess through being involved with that, I then got involved with Paul in a professional sense, of course. Well, and, um, you know, we, we've talked no about comment. some of the things. <laughs> we've talked about some of the things, you know, that we've done with Fear and Flying. And I think very much like Emma's described, you know, I can remember, you know, being in a, in a conference suite with, with Paul and, you know, 200 faces looking at you going, please help me. And ultimately, um, you know, that that's very much what, what our aspiration um, was to do. And, and, and I think we were successful in a, in a lot of cases. You know, and from that, we've, we've done the end, other end of the scale together, Paul. You know, we went out to Los Angeles um, as a group um, and did fear of flying courses out there. So so I think what I'd like to point out really about the, the, the gathered personnel is the amount of, I guess, skill that we've got as a background in helping people with a fear of flying. And I'm, I'm just really happy to be here today. Thank you, Paul. And Thank you. Ralph, you're next. Big finish, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm loving okay, the okay. vibe of this group. I don't want it to end. Go on. <laughs> right. Okay. Hi, guys. I'm Ralph Miles. I joined the Royal Navy uh, 1968, shortly before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I spent, um, actually, I spent eight years as a, as a ship's cook and then sort of we got pushed towards aviation, which I couldn't spell at the time, but I thought, yeah, I'll have a go at that. So I joined, uh, I joined Dartmouth, the, the Naval College, and uh, trained to become a, a helicopter pilot. Uh, yeah, and that was 1976. And, uh, and then I did 16 years in the Royal Navy as a, as a commando pilot. And I, came, I ended up flying the Jetstream, just a small twin turboprop, which gave me licenses that I needed, and then looked at commercial aviation in the early 90s. My first job was with a small company based on the Isle of Man, which was uh, Manx Airlines. 
doing domestic flights. And from there, uh, I made a few good contacts, one of them who happened to be the, the um, recruitment uh, manager for Virgin Atlantic Airways. So, uh, and they phoned me up and one day and said, would you like to come to an interview? So I had a quick think and, and I was there. And, and so from 94, uh, I was flying for Virgin on the Airbus, living down in Somerset, which was great in the sticks, commuting. But coincidentally, back in 1976, I, I joined with an, a, a great friend of mine and we did all the courses together. His name was Norman Lees. And we flew commando together. We were instructors together and we left the Navy at about the same time. We did the Falklands War together. We left the Navy about the same time. He joined Dan Air. Um, and I went to Manx and then Dan Air folded and he was out of a job and I said, Norman, I've just got an interview with Virgin Atlantic, why don't you phone on your phone as well? And he did and he got a job on the Jumbo, I got a job on the Airbus and uh, we'd meet, meet each other every now and then, I'd stay with him for SCPs and things like that. And then about um, 98 time, I suppose, he said, I've met this guy called Paul Tizard and, and we're starting up a course for all these people that don't like flying. And I said, Norman, who are these people that don't like flying? Because I, I sat there in the front of my airplane thinking all these people were really, really happy to go on holiday on an airplane. And he said, no, most of them sit there with white knuckles. And that really did surprise me. And he said, would you like to help? And uh, I, I pulled the old excuse. Oh, and then in Somerset, Norman, I can't go and do this. And uh, he was doing uh, quite a few courses to know. And then unfortunately, uh, when was it Paul, about 99? No, 2000. 2000, uh, Paul Norman was killed in a flying accident and all things. And, and I went along, he, he, they had a memorial at Richard Branson's house and I met young Paul here who said, why don't you come up and help? And I could not think of any reasonable excuse not to. So I, I came along and uh, I had a nervous, well, I, I think, Within within uh, a, a couple of months of me starting, 9-11 happened. And, and there was I telling people about not being scared of fly, flying when they'd seen airplanes flying to buildings. Mm -hmm. And that was that was interesting time. And I built up a style, and, uh, and Paul's seen this many times, where I like to find out what they know and what they think and, and, and knock down those popular misconceptions about flying. Things like air pockets, and wings falling off and all that sort of stuff. So I would ask them questions all the time and get them involved. I wouldn't start telling them, I wouldn't start preaching to them, I wouldn't read out of a book. I would say, how many engines has this got? What happens if it failed? What happens if this happened? What happens if that happens? And get them involved. And, and my plan was to get them laughing. And once they were laughing, they couldn't be afraid. And, and I must admit, when I got them laughing, I was laughing and, and it was a good time. And I was doing that from when, oh, when I, I retired in 18. So I did 18 years of it and, and then it all sort of folded anyway. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, but I've never, I retired in 18. I've been down in Somerset building houses, in fact, for the last four years. And I haven't really had time to give to, to Paul, but um, I'm back on it and I have got a better internet now, which is why it's working. Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank it's you. Good to see all you guys. Thank you very much. I mean, this is what, what a lovely vibe. I'm, and I want to squeeze as much as I can out. I want to keep it fairly like hard. So I've got a couple of questions. Obviously, the, the, the crit critical question I was wrestling with was what's the cl collective noun for a bunch of pilots? Uh, there's no an awesome, an yeah. awesome of pilots. Uh, yeah. No, it's, it's <laughs> a confusion. 
<laughs> well, I've, I googled it. Apparently, you can. Have, there's a deck of pilots. Oh, a, nice. A flight of pilots. I thought that was a bit boring. A stack of pilots. I thought that was quite good. Yeah, a union of pilots. Yeah, and, and or a bar of pilots. And I thought that was. I didn't know if that was okay to say, but that's what it came up. So that's Google. Google never lies. So the next question, which is critical, obviously we all, all want to know this: Who is actually the best pilot on this call? All of us. Oh, smooth, <laughs> leggy. No, no, but the thing is, it was one of the things I you know, we, we had a choice. We could either be pilots or we could grow up. We <laughs> <laughs> should stay as pilots. And every pilot thinks they're the best. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> Thanks, it's uh, part Maverick. Of the yeah. And to understand Exupery wrote that I learned that I couldn't be a, a painter, so I learned how to fly. That's what he wrote. <laughs> I, I, you know, to me, it's humor. You can hear the humor in, in, in everyone's uh, approach there. And and I don't know about you all, but that's the greatest asset that I have when I talk to people who are afraid to fly. You know, the 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 last thing that you want to do is end up talking about flying with them if you're flying with them on an airplane. You want them to talk about anything but that. And for those who were able to fly before they became afraid, that they can't remember those days. They all they can remember is the obsession over flying and all that. But mm. but I hear the humor. I think I think most of the most of the pilots that I've flown with that I enjoyed the most had a great sense of humor. And I'm hearing that as kind of a common theme here. Yeah, the um, other ones I know. didn't invite to this call. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. They're not and, welcome. And in, addition, in addition to the humor, you know, I think humility. I think is a good thing for for being a pilot. I know I always enjoyed flying with pilots who had a sense of humility and and uh, and humbleness about them. So, mm. yeah, and I I kind of heard that too. We all we all brag about it or joke about it, but but we do have a lot of humility. You, so you know that uh, it, it, there was the couple of years uh, that I did in Al Al, an intro. A lecture to young pilots that came to Elal. Actually, they were not young because Elal used to to take mostly former military pilots. Yeah. And I used to tell them, guys, uh, let me just give, give you the highlights of what's uh, different here. It's exactly what, what you have learned in the military. Everything is just opposite. Everything that you know from the military, it's just upside down. Oh, for yeah. example, flight envelope, for example. In the military, you have to fly all the highest or the lowest speed. You fly in the middle and you have to be humble, as Ron said, and you have to be cooperative. And this is the opposite of being uh, competitive. Yeah. You cannot be aggressive. You have to be, you, and most of all, you have to learn uh, not to achieve the so-called goal of getting there and to give up because in the military you are awarded to, for taking chances in order to have your mission done. Here there is no mission. So I think that Ron, what you said about being humble and understanding, first of all, that we, we came to a, a new environment that we don't need to know exactly how to maneuver in the in the vertical app and then to no we don't have to do it we have to, to uh, make the the passengers feel safe feel co feel comfortable know how to work with our co-pilots or our captains so and the answer who is the best pilot for me 
it's uh, not really not you know it's not interesting it's not interesting we we are all good pilots if we are there that's what i feel nice to, to build on that just a little bit to what you said elon is that uh as a as a captain the, you know i i used to teach the human factors program at the airline that i worked for and 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 when i would teach a class of new hires we get one day of, of crew resource management or human factors for them and i'd ask them at the end of the day or challenge them i said think of a time when you were flying no matter which seat you were flying in when when the other pilot did something and you were unsure about it and you wanted to ask him but you didn't i said that's the part of you that you have to look at you know and and i always for fearful flyers as well as my fellow crew members i wanted to create a, an atmosphere of safety for them so that they would be con would, so they would confront me and ask those questions and i find the same thing carries with people who are afraid to fly if you can make them feel safe because that's the antithesis of the way they've come to you then they're more likely to open up and and you got to get them to tell you their story so you can help them rewrite it because their story is what gets them in trouble so I think the human element is really important there as well. And quite often I've said to people, just remember that I'm, I've am i got a you know, family at home that I want to get home to tonight. You know, I'm not going to put myself in any danger, even if I didn't care about my passengers, which obviously I do. But, you know, even if it, even if it was only about making sure that I'm safe, I'm still sitting up the front there and, and, and there's someone else sitting next to me who has also got people to get home to that night. And, I found a lot of people can really relate to that because they kind of think, well, you know, uh, and I think also I found as as a woman as well, people often said, you know, oh, I just felt felt like you were flying more safely than some of the male pilots I've had. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> the aircraft works the same. But, you know, I think because I did put myself out there and, you know, I, I, I became known throughout the airline for, you know, I was I was always my welcome on board. PA I always did from the front of the cabin on the flight attendants speakerphone because because I wanted people to see a face that mm -hmm. they could think about so just to put them at ease and um actually it meant you know it, when you work for it when you work for it and no frills short haul airline you're probably out the front of the cabin quite a lot apologizing for delays anyway so you know um it just made that easier but that was when I became a captain that was what I decided was going to be my sort of thing was going to be making sure my passengers knew that the person yeah. at the front who was responsible for the aircraft and everyone in it was mm. somebody who wasn't going to put them in any danger so um you know and I think it's just it's it's, it's nice to have been have had the opportunity to have been able to remind people of that as well so nice I like that thank you and 30 seconds, Paul, to pick up on what Alan and Ron said. Why don't the airlines have a Top Gun school? The reason is it would create the wrong culture. So when mm. I said we are all the best, it is well, we want all our airline pilots to be the best. We don't want an elitist school. I pause. Mm. Yeah. So would you like some random questions then? So I've carefully prepared some questions. And you Go just so well, I'll be looking to Adele and Ralph because you know give you some airtime to these other lot. You know, <laughs> all meant with respect, of course, the utmost respect. One moment, I'm just going to share my screen. Okay, so it's a it's a randomizer. Okay, 
Yeah. You ready? So just let's see where it ends up. Yeah, who'd like to answer that one? Celeb, you were most excited to meet. Morgan Freeman. Uh, I had him on a flight from Heathrow to San Francisco. One of my great heroes. Absolutely delightful chap. And the other one was Danny DeVito, who was on a wow. flight from LA to London. Nicest chap you could ever be, and as funny in real life as he is on the screen. <laughs> Excellent. Good one. Anybody I'll go else? James Blunt. I flew yeah. James Blunt back from Palmer, and and I really love. I'm sorry, but I really love him. And no judgment. It's a safe space, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I got the. I was really scared to ask. I was first officer. And I was really scared to ask his autograph because I thought it was really like annoying to do that. So I got the cabin crew to do it. But my husband was in the Gulf at the time, and he was coming back the next day. So I said, "Tell them that my husband's coming back from." He was in Aladeed and I said he'd been going in and out of Afghanistan all the time. And I said to him, tell, tell him he's coming back tomorrow and could I please have his autograph? And he gave me, she got it on a, a, a permit to remove steps sheet. And <laughs> so he wrote me this message and I kept it in my flight bag for the rest of my entire career. And then the other guy was Professor Green, who's a, a DJ and none of us had really heard of him. And so the, and the captain, when they said, oh, Professor Green's on board, he said, oh, go and ask him what he's got, into, what, he's, what he's a professor of. <laughs> <laughs> and they have one, sorry, Ooh, yeah, isn't it? I have yeah. one, uh, one other, which is the guy that was married to Zoe Ball, Norman, he's in that band. Fat, um, Fat Boy Slim. Norman, thank you, Fat Boy Slim. So he's at the front of, he sat at the front of the aircraft with his traveling partner. And I came out and did my welcome on board PA and as I went back into the into the into the flight deck, his travelling partner turned to him and went, "That's Captain Emma from the TV," and I sort of just <laughs> laughed. And when I went back inside, they, the cabin crew said to me, "Do you know who that was?" I was like, "No," <laughs> and I was like, "That's ridiculous that Fat Boy Slim's travelling partner would say that's Captain Emma." And I, oh, I should have been nice. going, "Oh my God, that's Fat Boy Slim." <laughs> and Ralph knows that because Ralph spends most of his summers at. Oh, so Billy Connolly's yours, is it, Ralph? Billy Connolly is, I've just read his book. I flew him out to LA and he is the most funniest chap on this earth. I mean, he's, he's getting a bit old now, but uh, he, and I'm just reading the book. He does, he'll do a three hour show and none of it will be rehearsed. None of it is planned. He stands up and he talks what he thinks about. And we spent hour, eight hours to, uh, going out to LA and, and all the time he could stand, he was in one of the galleys just talking to the girls and making them laugh and just, just wow. talking about what was going on. Uh, but the funniest thing was I, I had to see this guy. So as soon as we landed, I jumped out the flight deck, upper class had all cleared. This was in before we had bed seats and things. And uh, he was walking up from the bar to the forward wardrobe because he had his mandolin massive great big mandolin and leather case in there not mandolin banjo and uh, and, and it walked and to see him walk it was like something from monty python it was so funny because he's big gangly and uncoordinated <laughs> and, and he looks at you and you look it's a bit like oh who was that other guy tommy guy? cooper tommy cooper just you look at him and you laugh and i thought i love you he's just he's just got this book out which i've read which is brilliant 
and the other one was Hugh Laurie. He came in when we could sit in the flight deck. He, he landed into um, Johannesburg with us, and he was a, a delightful character. And he just re written a book as well. And both the two of the pilots on on the flight deck had read it, which was a coincidence. And right at the end, he said, "Oh, did you both buy my book, or did one of you lend it to the other?" I thought, I'll tell you that, Hugh. And he said, you bloody cheapskates. <laughs> and uh, yeah, funny character as well, but there's my thing. <laughs> Brilliant. Let's do another question. All right, let's see what we've got. Oh, this could be a serious one. Mm, most challenging situation you've had to deal with. Well, that's a bit of a party pooper one, isn't it? Oh, well. Can we have an aviation one? Yeah, it's, it could be. Yeah, go on in, Adele. It's a bit, yeah, it's a bit out there. So we had a flight down to, I think it was Shanghai. And there was some unfavourable weather, weather conditions at destination, let's say. So we're very aware of it. We had enough fuel on, you know, we always put in those layers of safety, Paul. You know, we talk about it over and over again. We actually put enough fuel on to get to our destination, turn around and go all the way back to Beijing. So a lot of extra fuel. So we get down to a destination which is Shanghai. Indeed, the weather is not favorable to land. So so we we make a missed approach, which I'm sure we talk about a lot on this on this um, this program. So we, we did the go around and the missed approach procedure, which is the bit that brings you safely away from the ground. And we went to uh, our alternate airfield and we landed in there. And lo and behold, we were in a, a country which is a little bit challenging at times in terms of if you've got humans that perhaps haven't got the right passport to be in a certain part of china it can be a bit challenging so indeed we had some people on board who weren't who didn't have the right visas because we, we had been going into shanghai and we were now in a different part of china so it took us an awful long time to get our passengers um, off and through and be accepted into the country and get them safely on their way to, to a hotel to you know, rest whilst we got the aircraft you know, prepared again, waited for the unfavourable weather conditions, <laughs> trying to be as polite about it as possible. It was a typhoon. Had passed and, yeah. and <laughs> on their on their uh, you know on their way back to, to Shanghai they go. However, the the time spent to process all of our lovely passengers and, uh, and get them safely off the aircraft and into the terminal building, the typhoon had indeed now come to the airport that we were at. So what in fact happened, and this is the challenging situation, was once we disembarked the aircraft and we're all on our way to a hotel, because we'd been on duty for uh, I think 18 and a half hours at this stage, so we, we really needed some sleep. Mm. We're on the way to the hotel and in between walking between the terminal building and the bus, a piece of terminal building flew off and hit the captain across the head and created a big gash in his head. <laughs> And that, that is another story. But that was a, a challenging few days. Uh, you know, a lot of things happened over those wow. few days, which were all big learning points. But the, you know, the, the, the outcome, it was obviously we got all of our lovely passengers to where they wanted to be, but a day late. But, you know, it just puts in that layer of, okay, if it's not safe to do something, I, it's not safe to land, land yeah. in a typhoon. It isn't. Yeah. We don't do it. And we, you know, we do something which is an alternative. And that's always, you know, something that we've got in reserve. We've also always got a backup plan. So wow. no matter what the challenge is, 
there's a backup. Good story. And the pilot was okay? that... The pilot with half a head? Was he alright? Yeah, he recovered. <laughs> but uh... Doesn't that also prove it is more dangerous to walk across a, an apron <laughs> in a, yes, than in it a is to go flying? <laughs> <laughs> it's also quite damp to walk across an apron. <laughs> I should think quite damp is a bit like saying the Pope's a little bit Catholic, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I have, a, I have a challenging situation to share. I've, I'm telling to my people that I'm, I'm teaching that throughout 18 years of flying, the most, you know, so-called uh, challenging situation was uh, maybe the only time that we declared an emergency, it was because of uh, smoke from the galley, which we learned uh, landed and nothing really happened. But really the most challenging situation that I had was taking off out of uh, LA, discovering, no, from New York with the 747-400 and discovering that all the laboratories are not operative. Graham, <laughs> you, you have a nine hours uh. and 40 minutes flight with 419 oh. people on board. All the laboratories are not flushing, okay? That's the thing. Now, that's really a, a, grim. a, a problem. <laughs> uh, and uh, we decided that we are going to take it one step at a time. We'll start the, the flight and try to maintain as much as the time that we could. Then we landed uh, <laughs> with everybody running very fast. Uh, this embarkation <laughs> was very, very fast at this time. <laughs> Probably looked like an emergency evacuation when you got there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did there, Ron. Very good. Well, on another one. Go on, then. Yes. So, Tim Hills, you probably remember, and myself, me as a young first officer, we were flying Orlando back to Manchester. And because of a medical emergency, this predates Medlink, we diverted into Bangor. And we went out of hours, so we couldn't go on. So, okay, we're night stopping in Bangor. There's very little ground handling equipment there. So ends up, we ended up doing all that. And then sent the passenger off to hospital to get sorted out. We offloaded the aircraft bags. As they're driving away, the first pallet fell over. So we had to put it all back on there. We get to the hotels with our customers, get them all sorted out. Night stop, fantastic, get sorted out. Back in the morning, little foggy, but yes, okay to arrive. Getting all the passengers on board, and then ops call us. Hold on, there's another passenger joiner. The passenger that we diverted into Bangor Four is now coming up the steps to get back on the aircraft. Mm. The reaction from the customers was <laughs> not good. <laughs> yeah, because they probably wanted him to be at least dead. Yes, you know. <laughs> well, certainly not For on the their convenience. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, let's do another question. I, I, I understand that some of you have to go. If you do need to drop off, then we will just talk about you when you're gone, if that's all right. Yeah. That's why I'm staying. <laughs> <laughs> Best aircraft type to fly. Everywhere. Easy, Airbus all the time, every single every single day, and all the Boeing pilots go, "Oh no, the thrust levers don't move. I can't possibly <laughs> deal with an Airbus. The thrust levers don't move, so I don't know where the thrust 
what the, what the trust is doing really totally <laughs> sorry airbus i totally agree and they say and you've got you've only got one side stick how do you manage with that said, well when you're <laughs> flying your boeing you have one hand on the on the yoke and one hand on the throttles you only need one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the throttles because they move all the time. How annoying! <laughs> also, where do Boeing pilots eat? I mean, how do you eat without a tray table that pulls out? You're right. What's that but all about? The, but Airbus is not peanuts. an airplane; it's just a flying machine that flies the plane. No, an Airbus is so advisors. much more than no. An Airbus <laughs> is so much more than that. <laughs> if it says Airbus on the side, it better say Martin Baker on the seats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that leads me to my, my answer. It's an F-16, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's the best plane I flew. No, no, 34600, that's the one. Oh, dear. <laughs> Ralph's even got one with him, <laughs> as you do, you know. Well, oh, dear. <laughs> I actually feel a bit, yeah. a little bit sad about all of that. It's a bit boys with their toys. <laughs> Everyone's producing toy aircraft in the background now. So I have this debate with my husband all the time because my husband is still in the Air Force and he is running the training program for the new P-8 side and maritime patrol aircraft that we've got. And um, obviously that's based on, it's a Boeing 737 with loads of cool kit on it. And so we, uh, obviously during lockdown, we were both, we, um, I'm sitting now on my landing, which has got my desk at one end and his desk at the other end. So I'd be hearing his meetings and things. And uh, we had this permanent debate through lockdown about whether Boeing is better than Airbus. And obviously I'm right. So. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's why we're still married. Man. I've flown both types. Um, and you know and the, and it's difficult to choose isn't it it is difficult to choose but i have to say not for not, i know no. and it's quite, quite sure of her decision i'm not i think the most the most fun airplane that i ever flew I, and i'm talking about commercial air transport aircraft here was the 737 and uh, and for that for the, the reason that it's like a giant tractor and that's how i feel about the 737 it's so easy to fly in comparison to some other other types I've flown, which is why I laugh when Ralph got the three forty six hundred out there because the the thing that the three forty six hundred reminds me of is departures out of Johannesburg, and that's all I'm saying. I watch I watch Pete and Ralph smile because they know what I mean. <laughs> you just worried all the I flew, a bunch I, of I, listeners now. <laughs> my whole career was was just flying, you know, uh, domestic and then Canada and and Mexico. And uh, and so I flew this the 737 27 out of the 30 years. So you know it's like, you know you can't you can do it with it blindfolded after a while. But I remember one day we had a when we started getting A320s, and uh, and so it was new to the ground crew, and we controlled in in Phoenix here we controlled our own pushbacks and all that, and then you'd contact ground control when you got out on the taxiway. So this one morning the the tug crew they had just repainted the ground uh lines for the for the new airbuses and and we had four concourses and, and with with connecting traffic ways for the passengers and so this ground crew the guy on the tug on the on the bottom he said he called up the tower and he says hey you know he says i'm looking at that line he said i don't think this this airbus is going to fit 
if, if I push it back on those lines and they said, well, if the line is painted that way, then obviously somebody's taking care of it. So sure enough, he pushes <laughs> it back, pushes the tail of an A320 into the terminal. So that of course there was a lot of anecdotal humor about that. And we, we had kind of a war between the Boeing pilots and the Airbus pilots, you know, as pilots will do. And one of our assistant chief pilots said if they'd have put it, it did seven million dollars worth of damage to the tail hompanage on the, on the a320 and one of the boeing pilots said if it had been a boeing they'd have had to replace the terminal <laughs> <laughs> good <laughs> yeah yeah if it says it'll fit it'll fit okay yeah, i love that that yeah. is great <laughs> How are we doing for time, folks? We've been going about 15 minutes. I know some people might need to go. I'm loving this personally, but obviously you might have lives. I, I, I have to fly I'll stay until the, <laughs> I'll stay until the family start to leave. And then okay. to, it, the 14 of us getting them out of the house this week. I think the record time we've made has been an hour and a half. So um, <laughs> you want to make sure they all leave. I think we're leave. good at the moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go. So, all right, so let's do a sort of like a, rather than go to the quiz, although I like the random questions, what about this, in case some of you have to leave, why don't we do a, like, your one top tip or the best thing that you would say for nervous flyers, you know, your your consolidated wisdom. The mother load. <laughs> I don't know why I call it I that. I, I don't think there's a short answer to that. Other people might have a short answer, but I, I, I had a electrician doing some work on our house recently and um, just by the by happened to mention he was going on holiday and actually he was really worried because he'd had a fear of flying for the most of his life and one of these these people that um you know go to the bar as soon as they get into the airport you know no matter what time of the morning because they feel that they need mm. something before they get on the flight just to dispel those those nerves and i said look let's just spend five minutes together and i'm just going to show you a really simple thing and you know all of my party tricks in in the in the, um, in the, the fear of flying environment, but I did the the ten pound note trick, Paul. So it's just a very simple way of explaining how an airplane flies, and it's just about creating lift over the top of a, a ten pound note, and it, and and lo and behold, as you blow over the top of the ten pound note, it creates lift, and the, and the ten pound note floats upwards. So I just showed him that, and he went on the flight, and he he sent me a message from his destination. He said best flight of my life because mm. I wasn't worried about how the airplane flew I knew how it flew I knew how lift worked so I think it's giving people the information the correct information so one piece of advice dispel the myth listen mm. to the truth mm. so not the man down the pub syndrome that we used to talk about actually listen to people like us because yeah. we are all here and we all will all give you that mm. knowledge fantastic adele pete does that one as well but he only uses 50 pound notes he won't he won't go near a 10 pound note I, 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 ju I just not of the same caliber as pete i i, I do admit that no, that's a lovely tip thank you for that where, where, where are we going to next? let me go to emma in case emma has to clear off um do you mind if we go to your i would say we spend a lot of years learning how to fly and learning how to do our jobs and we spend a lot of time in the simulator making sure that we are um, up to speed with all the any new procedures or yeah we, we go through all our safety procedures and everything we are the professionals who are 
you are paying to fly you to your destination. So allow us to do our jobs and don't worry about whether or not we can do them properly because I don't I don't expect to go to an accountant and tell them how to do my accounts. In in the same way as you don't you you don't need to worry about whether or not the aircraft is going to be safe or not. That is our job. And if there's any doubt at all about whether we're doing the right thing, we won't do it. So that would be my sort of best tip would be just let the people at the front of the aircraft do the job they are trained and paid to do and then sit back and enjoy your flight. <laughs> Brilliant. Love that. Thanks, Emma. Where are we going next? Can I build on that, Paul? Yeah. Because Emma's absolutely right. Because one of the things when we taught the courses, I used to say to people, right, okay, who drove here in their car this morning? And people put their hand up, said, right, so you've been on the skid pan, so you get checked out on spinning your car when you're driving on ice and wet roads. Oh, when you get tested every six months, your driving license, you know, it doesn't last forever. And if you're driving with somebody else, you say, well, can I, can I just check your license? Is it in date? You know, and what have you done recently? And as Emma says, that's what pilots go through. We get checked every six months. We practice all the emergencies and some that aren't in the book. So trust your pilots and don't forget the cabin crew because they're equally trained as well as us. Absolutely. And the thing I would say to people is, and I've seen it on, on posts people have done, you know, you're not on your own. Make sure that your cabin crew and your pilots are aware that you're not comfortable with flying, mm. okay? Because they can do things to help you, support you. And I think all my pilot colleagues, if we've got time, we'll invite you up the flight deck. Or when I'm on break, I'll come down and talk to you and I'll show you the weather map and stuff like that. Nice. Uh, no, Emma Swan. Thank you very much. Cheers, Pete. Can I just add to, to that car analogy as well, which is it's not just um, the driver's license. It's, you know, did you check your lights before you went? Did you did you kick the, you know, have you had a full MOT every day before you drive your car? Have you, you know, do you do a walk around, all of that sort of thing? So that's, that's another part of it. It's not the people and the aircraft. Yeah. It's such a highly regulated industry. But, and you know, because people flying EasyJet would, would often say, oh, you know, low cost, does that mean it's not as safe? And you're like, no, it's not low cost, it's no frills. So, because actually you pay a lot of money for an EasyJet flight these days anyway. But you know, it's such a highly regulated industry. We are all subjected to the same, or all subject to the same safety requirements as each other. So, you know, it's, it's, it's good to be able to relate it back to something that they can actually, that the passengers can actually understand, isn't it? Brilliant. Thank you. Where are we going next? I've found over the, the 35 years that I've been doing this that there's really been a shift where, you know, getting started, it was mostly talking about the technical aspects of aviation that bother people, crashing, dying, things like that. But now it, it's like, anxiety disorders are a growth industry in the world and most people you know they'll they'll own the fact that you know that they don't like to fly but they'll say i know that the airplane's safe i know all that you know but what i don't get is you know it, what, what bothers me is claustrophobia anticipatory anxiety and things like that so those are the things that i'm that i find most and, and i try to listen to them and and uh, you know and you know, I, I was listening to Emma, you know, we used to joke, we're the first ones to the scene of the accident. So we're really emotionally invested in the outcome of this thing, you know, and, and all that. And and they, 
they you know the fun part for me as a as a pilot you know is talking about the technical stuff because that's my stuff that's our stuff right we we do that you know with our hands tied behind us and blindfolded but the, but the the challenge for me has been dealing with the claustrophobia the anticipatory anxiety people that just go freaking nuts <laughs> you know just at the thought you know they they can't even get they don't even have to get to the airplane they it, it starts with them when they think about you know buying a ticket and yeah. all that and so yeah. you know I, I but i i i would go along i i recommend the number one thing i recommend them do is board early i we we have an american with disabilities act so you can identify yourself as having a medical condition and a domestic u.s carrier and that and then you tell them that you want to 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 uh you either a special seat depending on whether the airline books pre-books pre the seats or or i need extra time and that puts them ahead of everybody with the wheelchairs and then i say use that time by telling the flight attendant that you are you have a, a fear of flying you're nervous about flying and then asked to meet the pilots i said that is the number one thing and most people report that 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 gave them the most you know because it's the most present and the most the most the closest to their departure that they can get confidence and they just need confidence that that they're going to be okay and uh you know it doesn't even really matter what the crew tells them for the most part as long as they <laughs> identify that but they need to own the fact that they're afraid and when they come to me and they say, oh, Captain Ron, you know, you're more wonderful and I'm flying all this, I said, don't blame your success on me. You know, and they, <laughs> but I do want them to know that, you know, it's it's what goes on up here that, you know, it's what it's the story you tell yourself that with, that makes your flight, not not what happens on the airplane. And I, and I tell them, you know, do not worry because we are not gonna share our paychecks with you. We appreciate all the worrying you do, you know, it keeps <laughs> the airplane aloft. But we're not going to share our pay with you. You know that that's on you. So. Thanks, Ron. Uh, and I just Ralph. say I oh, want to stay Anna. here forever because yeah, I want that I'm as having well. such a great morning. But I've got to go and make sure this lot leave. So um, thank you so much for today. Can we do this again? I've really to. enjoyed it, and thank you, um, Emma. I'm sure we'll speak again on the chat. But thanks ever so much for a thank great you. Nice morning. To meet you, Emma. Have a nice great evening. Nice to meet you too. Bye. Let's, thank yeah, you. Let's thanks a lot. This. Take care. Yeah. See you. So if I can push you, I, have, I want Ralph's and Alon's tip, tip as well, if I... Well, I actually to totally agree with the, the communication bit. If you communicate and tell someone that you're not really happy about the flight, most particularly one of the, one of the cabin crew, then, uh, well, certainly the, the cabin crew that I know will make sure and come down and say, okay, well, then, and, and just to, but just to share that fear, not share the fear, yeah. but share the knowledge of it will help yeah. you. And going back to the one about the cars driving, uh, it's one of the sequence of questions I used to do on the course and say that because so what what don't you like about flying? And it would be lack of control. I'm not in control. Yeah. So I say, well, how many of you uh, came here today in a car? And most of them will put their hands up. And he said, how many were in the passenger seat? Of course, half of them were in the passenger seat. Well, were you in control? Uh, no, I wasn't. Okay, okay. For all those who are drivers, uh, how many of you have had an accident? And uh, um, most of them put their, their hands up and say, well, how many of you, was it your fault? And not many, it, most of the hands <laughs> up. They say, so you had an accident in your car and it wasn't your fault, but you were in control. And they say, oh, well, no, perhaps I wouldn't. Well, think of it, you've got two pilots up there. You, there's no roundabouts, there's no uh, one-way streets. It's all open air. And we've got so many protection systems around us. 
that the likelihood of having an accident is so absolutely minuscule that you don't even have to think about it. And you can you can see people's minds open up and go, oh yeah, I haven't thought about that. And I I, I love getting that promise. Right, let's let's dispel another one then. You know? yeah, <laughs> so I love that. What if you what if you walk into an air pocket? What happens? Can you breathe? So, no, I don't know. So, well, what is an air pocket? I don't know. No, because there's no such thing as an air pocket. Yeah. You get turbulence. <laughs> there's no such thing as an air pocket. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Ralph. That's great. I can see. So on yeah. my screen, so Adele and Pete, you've both gone. You were both in the dark for a minute, like a crime watch program. So I can right. see. So Alon, let's go to you. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like. I, I like very much what Ron says because I think roughly. Uh, you can look at two types of being scared of, of flying. One is the specific scare of flying, in which if you give them uh, information, it will calm them down. But then there is a question. You can ask them, okay, so you can drive to your destination, but I will send your family on a flight. Would you take it? And if they say no, they're afraid of the fear and not afraid of flying. And these yeah. are the really difficult people to handle. And my best tip for them is first of all, to tell them, guys, you are okay. Afraid is okay. And we are going not, not to eliminate the fear. We're not going to cure you from fear because you are okay. We're just trying to give you better environment in every way that we can do. So, for example, what Ron just said, uh, tell the crew, well, that's a gold, uh, gold advice, I would say, and the crew should help them. Tell it to everybody in order for you not to blame, your, not to blame your, yourself of being afraid. So I, I would say that the technical people, the people that are afraid of something very uh, technical, it's very easy. Find out what they're afraid of and calm them down, that we are great. But if they're afraid of the fear of not being in control of closed spaces, etc., set the target to not to eliminate the fear, just to reduce it by mm -hmm. any way that you can do. And first step is to accept it and say, okay, I'm okay. That's what I would say. Like that, so it's sort of like a self-compassion thing there, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, had, I had the opportunity to teach recurrent uh, human factors to all the pilots every year. So I and and it it, it started at the same time that I started uh, serendipitously being involved in a, in teaching people about how to overcome their fear of flying, and uh, and one of the things that I became familiar with very early on is that you know we come on and we tell people, hey, I've asked the flight attendants to take their seats because we had some reports of turbulence up ahead. People in the back, if that's all you say, they completely freak out. They think this is going to be the big one. You know, they're going to have a heart attack or. <laughs> and and so what I would tell the crews, I said, when you guys make announcements and gals, you know, it's great that you you give them a, an alert like that, but make sure you follow it up with some reassuring words to close it. Like you know, hey, we're we're just putting the flight attendants in the seats because we don't want we want them to be securely fastened like you are so that they don't get hurt as well. And and I found, you know, I told them, you know, about the sixth grade level, it, because if you do it any more technical, they th that confuses them and they get frightened. If you do it too simple, they feel talked down to and then they get offended. So, you know, somewhere in the middle, but always close your remarks with some kind of reassuring uh, yeah. comments. Yeah. Ron, you've reminded me of Pete's story. You want me to go, tell it? Yeah. Yeah, go on. 
Yeah, we did run. You made, I was smiling because remember, I was I was line, a line trainer with Virgin. And there's a brand new captain, left hand city, flying along. And as you suggested, we just hit a little bit of turbulence started by then. And then, then it just got a little worse. And the captain just grabbed the PA and say, Captain crew, take your seats, full harness. <laughs> I, I looked at the FO and I looked at him and I, yeah, okay. Right idea, wrong method. You have yeah. scared the bejeebuses out of 400 <laughs> passengers down the back here. Because they're all looking around, I haven't got a full harness. <laughs> yeah, I always yeah. say you have to be yeah, really one, careful with one your person words. Who the one person who wasn't afraid, you got them now. They're yeah, you, you got it. It matters, doesn't it? Because one yeah. of the things that I've always felt very passionate about is communication, particularly you've got this position. Now, whether you're a nervous flyer or not, a lot of people hang on what the pilots are saying and the crew as well, of course. Yeah. And it's very easy to say, even just the words, we're going to hit turbulence, gives oh. the impression. Is There's yeah. a visual then, it's right. a wall. It's a, we're going to hit something, you know. So just really, really I'm really mindful of these sort of uh, words that sometimes people just you know, unhelpfully trot out, you know. Not yeah. this crowd, obviously, but. No, but as, as uh, Ron says, it's part of pilot training now. We are educating them to this, how important it is. Yeah, yeah. So, Ron, you've managed to, it's like about two in the morning for you. Is that something like that? It is. Yeah, I'm going to hang it up here in just a minute. But I've, I've really enjoyed this, Paul. Uh, it's been wonderful meeting all of you out there. And and uh, I just, I'm, I, I hear the same kind of theme. You know, you just, you guys got hooked like I did. And it's just, um, yeah. it's just it's just awesome and it, you know in the psychological community you know it, it's quick therapy relatively speaking you know not everybody is going to get cured but but for the most part you give them a little bit of information and they can go a long ways with it and 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 reassure them tell them you know it's okay to be afraid you know we'll take care of the technical stuff and all that and so i i, I hear a lot of what I, I identify with a lot of what you all have said about your attitudes towards towards people and 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 uh you guys are probably pretty good captains to fly with too, I must say. So yeah. 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 Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Nicely put, Ron. Thanks everyone. I really appreciate giving up your time yeah. today. It's been amazing. I've really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. And, uh, Thanks a lot. And I, I hope you you do do this again and, and uh yeah. Yeah, I would love to participate so anyway well i'll, I'll take that as an inv invitation to leave the group for the for the rest <laughs> of the day and uh and uh again thanks to all of you and uh keep keep doing the good work and thanks for inviting me paul cheers Appreciate it. thank you thank you and have a great day okay cheers. bye, -bye. And you. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Rob. well folks thank you very much and probably it's a good time to clear off and give you back your lives but I'm really grateful for you giving it. And Ralph, I didn't think you'd make it because I know your Wi-Fi's been crap down in Somerset. So I didn't, I didn't declare anything. I just thought, I'll give it my best shot. And yeah. I had to reload everything. I thought, I'll oh, just come in. And he said, no, you've got to update this. You've got yeah, to update yeah. that. I'm never going to get on. But I did. You did. You're here. Yeah, a real person. And Alon's going to probably recruit you as well now because, you know, for his Simplify app. Where he has, uh, you know, I, I think you've spoken to Pete already. Yeah. Uh, Adele, I would avoid eye contact because he'll be recruiting <laughs> you. <laughs> but no, thanks. But I thanks don't think a million. I've got any more time in my life at the moment, Paul. I'm pretty busy. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah no brilliant um, thank you so much everyone i should call it here brilliant really appreciate it and uh, well hopefully you'll get to do this again because it's, it's fun for me I, I think we should I, I really do think we should I think it's, it's nice to kind of get together with, with fellow professionals and and talk aviation mm. um, yeah. flying. it's great excellent thank, thank you. you thank you guys cheers yeah. thanks a lot no, no, no. cheers paul thank you right back to defending the nation <laughs> <laughs> you go <going>, pete <laughs> we appreciate it thank you <laughs>